Hey, all you nostalgic college-bound kids. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. One of us is a 9021 novice, and the other is a 9021 expert. I'm Kendra Mickles, and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning, and I've seen them all. You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, RadioMeanwhile.com. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter at HereWeGoPod, and please rate, subscribe, and share this show wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're looking back at Season 3 of Beverly Hills 90210. Woohoo! We did it! I know! Another season really, in the is, books. This is the end of an era. It really is. Like The I high know. school years are officially behind us. I know. Crazy stuff. Let's crack yeah. open our last... <laughs> West Beverly we'll Blaze. Okay, we'll see. Well, let's crack open the West Beverly Blaze. I'm an investigative reporter for the West Beverly newspaper. These episodes originally aired Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on Fox from July 15th to May 19th of 1993. And I wanted to talk about some stuff that happens over the summer of 1993 because our next episode is in September. Yeah. So there's no summer season this uh this go round, which is well, I think we, I think we do have a few episodes before they're like officially starting college. So I think we do okay. still get a mini summer season. But well, it's Hulu says it ends, it starts in September, which is not okay. summer. So no, that's, that's why true. I was thinking You're that. Right. So yeah. all right, so movies, July second, we get The Firm, okay, with Tom Cruise and Snow sure. White and the Seven Dwarves. What? What do you mean Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? That's what it says. Did they like re-release the Disney one or something? Oh, maybe. It didn't even occur to me that that was incorrect. Yeah, because that came out in like 1939. Maybe they released it in theaters again. Oh, yeah. I'm just looking it up here. Yeah, coming this summer, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was reissued for a theatrical release in 1993. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I liked The Firm. Uh, there's a lot of uh, jazz piano. It's actually all jazz piano. This so. is Tom Cruise, right? Yep. I much prefer the book. Mm. to the movie i'd read the book. book the book's a little more sinister the uh, tom tom yeah. cruise character is a bit more of an anti-hero i feel like than we've talked about this yes, yeah i remember yeah. yep uh july 16th uh hocus pocus uh, oh yeah seems like a weird time for that movie to come out in july but uh Good point that's weird uh this is one of pretty i guess pretty much my favorite Halloween movie. Oh, and yes. What, as, what else? What else would you even put close well, to this? Well, I'd say What We Do in the Shadows is mm. is up there. It's up there. You know, I tried. I, I agree with you on the movie. I tried with the series. And I just It didn't gel for me. I couldn't get into the... Really? To the, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I love it. It's so mm. funny. You got to keep going. Okay. Well, maybe I will. July 28th, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Is that right? <laughs> love it. Love that's, that one. That's yeah, Mel, correct, Mel right? Brooks. Mel okay. Brooks, yeah. Well, I know the movie. It just, I guess that seems late for me. I thought it was. No, I think that was, yeah, that was kind of a, a latter day uh, Mel Brooks, yeah. Yep. And August 7th, The Fugitive. Yes. He, he didn't kill his wife. And guess what? Right. I don't care. Tommy Lee doesn't care. I don't care. And it featured an upcoming 90210 series regular, Mark Damon Espinoza, who we mentioned right. last time. Sure did. What T about TV, Kendra? TV, Tell me about TV. Uh, August 28th, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuted, which yes. again seems late to me. I guess I no, thought this started earlier. Right on. That seems right on to me. Yeah, I was just the right age. How how was there never a nostalgia me this episode about Power Rangers? Yeah, you all just too young. I guess I don't, I don't know. We just. I mean, uh, it's still going even now. I mean, so. no, we we 
we were into the Power Rangers. Okay. I mean, who wasn't into the Power Rangers? It just True. like took took everyone by storm. So, what? but yeah, I don't know. We just had too many topics to cover. While while we're talking about nostalgia, me this can we announce our special guest for the season four premiere? Is this locked in? <gasps> Let's do it. Yes, uh, we got my brother and uh, <laughs> past nostalgia me this host Corbin Andrews is going to be talking the season four premiere. Uh, I'm he, excited knows nothing I and know, it's gonna be fun. he wanted he was like don't tell me anything but then he was like looking up who people were and he was like who's no. this who's this and i was like you Can't do you want it. me to tell you things or not no, he shouldn't so well this is funny because in, in the very last like in episode 45 and nostalgia me this uh which i was on as sort of like a transitional one um i, I got corbin to confirm on recording that he would come back for an episode of 902 and here we go having never seen an episode and now it's finally happening with season four and i've got to say the season four premiere is a good place to come on because it's kind of almost like a new pilot in a lot of ways mm. like you're familiar with the characters but everything about the setting is is quite different so all right be a good time for him to pop back in. i'm excited yeah. i'm excited i'm excited too all right. What else August third, Gail Gardner becomes the first woman to do televised play-by-play of a baseball game when she called the action of a game between the Colorado Rockies and the Cincinnati Reds in 1993. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. August thirtieth, yeah. the Late Show with David Letterman debuted with guest stars, uh, guests Bill Murray and musical guest Billy Joel. Pretty good debut show. That right is, there. yeah, that's David solid. Letterman, yeah. That is solid. Yep. Bob July... Dylan was his last guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. That also, very good. July yeah. 5th, Bjork released her first debut album. Okay. That seems early. I guess I would have thought. I have no feelings on Bjork, so I don't, I don't know. August 1st, 14-time MLB All-Star Reggie Jackson is inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The 47th Tony Awards happened over the summer. Best play went to Angels in America and best musical mm. went to Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh, sure. With Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> and I don't think I know any songs from Kiss of the Spider Woman. I mean, I've heard of it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what which ones are like the ones that have transcended outside of that. Maybe none. I don't know. And music wise, uh, number one song. Up until July was still That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson until Week by SWV took over. Some other popular songs of the summer were Whoop There It Is by Tag Team, What's Up by Four Non Blondes, which we just covered on 90s Music Got Me Like. So you can hop over there if you want to hear us talking about that. Uh, Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40, I'm Gonna Be by The Proclaimers. Runaway Train by Soul Asylum and Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Wow. It's the songs okay. of the summer of 93. I guess so. Yeah. And your in your most recent episode of 90s music got me like I was screaming, Paul McCartney plays the bass. Paul McCartney plays the bass. Because one of you one of you was saying like you would never have the bass player be a front man and I was like, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney. And well, Eric, he did he did catch himself. Yes, your co host was like, I think Paul McCartney was and then you were like, No, I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. Anyway, hey, we, got, we, we got through it together. Yeah, we did. We looked it up, we we figured it out. All right, Nick, take us beyond the zip code. Let's do it. In 2012, Jason Priestley appeared alongside Pierce Brosnan in the A&E adaptation of Stephen King's novel, Bag of Bones. (gasps) I'm reading this book right now. That's why I chose this. Ah! 
Bronson stars as author Mike Noonan, who's struggling from writer's block after the sudden loss of his wife. Uh, prodded by his agent, Marty, played by Jason Priestley, huh. he heads off to their country house in Maine to try to get his life and his writing back on track. Uh, the novel on which is based is one of my favorites, by the way. One of, uh, maybe... Maybe my favorite Stephen King. It's always a horse race between this and The Shining. But mm. uh, the novel debuted in 1998 and was awarded a Bram Stoker Award as well as a British Fantasy Award. Uh, and of special note, the audiobook is unabridged, as Stephen King novels usually are. But it's one of the few that's actually read by Stephen King himself. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, so- uh, I'm only a fourth of the way through, but I, okay. I think Brosnan, that's a, I think that's a good choice. It is. You know, th- I think that character. this is- Stephen King adaptations are like notoriously uneven. You know, some people really love. I feel like most of them are bad, if I'm being honest. But I feel like uh, Bag of Bones kind of flies under the radar because it was an A&E miniseries. But I think it's actually quite good. And it's a pretty solid adaptation of the book. Well, when I finish it, I will definitely be watching it yeah so okay i'm just i'm picturing it's 2012 so he's not a kid anymore but i'm picturing him as like young brandon as the (laughs) agent and i was like that doesn't make any sense but yeah i don't know i've loved every stephen king book i've read actually so i don't know what one would be my favorite i really love salem's lot yeah, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot is strong. I'm currently doing, uh, for for the All the Books show, the podcast I host for the David A. Howe Public Library, every year we do a Stephen King book. And this year we're covering Christine, Yeah, which, which I've never read before, and I'm about halfway through. So that's going to be our next episode over there. So we'll, uh, we're going to do a real deep dive into that book. So it should be fun. I also really love The Stand. I listened to all like, oh. 60 discs yeah. of that audiobook. And, CBS? Uh, CBS All Access has a new. I know. I'm yeah, very excited. Adaptation to watch it. of the stand coming out. I've not excited. read it. I'm not familiar with the story, so it's good. Anyway, it's good. And the uh, casting, yes. spot on. I looked okay. at the I looked at the cast and I was like, that is all, all excellent. Kendra, are you feeling the Stephen King podcast? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. All right, so we are breaking down season three today. We're going to talk about major guests and plot points and our thoughts on the whole thing. So, Nick, you want to lead us through? Yes, let's let's see who's living in Beverly Hills. Let's do it. All right, so of the main cast, James Eckhouse was absent two episodes. Carol Potter missed one, but everybody else was there. Solid. Here are the major guest stars for the year. Of course, Joey Tata as Nat. Uh, a lot of Joey, the parents... he was in every episode? No, no, no. I'm just moving on to major guest stars now. Oh, but I, I okay. Nat of was the in main cast. Of I see what he you're saying. Most. Yeah. I thought you meant uh, everyone else was in every episode. No. I see. Yeah, now. I mean, everybody who's in the in the opening credits. Yes, other than, okay. Other than the Walsh parents. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, Joey Tata. Angela Espy as Jackie Taylor. Matthew Lawrence as Mel Silver, of course. We have the McKays, Josh Taylor and Stephanie Beecham as Jack and Iris McKay. We uh, say goodbye to James Pickens Jr. as Henry. We don't see the Beach Club again. We don't see Henry again. Ah. Dana Barron as Nikki Witt, of course. Uh, we, we don't see her as well. Uh, same with Michael Anthony Rollins as Jordan Bonner. Corey Tyler as Herbert Little, which seems like forever ago. The stuff with Herbert Little and Steve and the freshman buddies and all that wow, seems yeah. like seasons ago. It does. Uh, Nicole Tom as Sue Scanlon. David Arquette as uh, Nikki's abusive ex, Axel. I watched a recent interview with him on People TV, and it was one of those things where they were going through his filmography, and 90210 came up. 
And apparently he and Luke Perry were actually very close. And mm. so uh, when David Arquette did the show, he was already kind of friendly with the cast just because of his friendship with Luke Perry. Uh, he mentioned specifically that the key that he's wearing around his neck in the episode was his own. It was a gift from his girlfriend. And apparently at the time, he was dating Axl Rose's ex-wife, which what? makes it even yeah, which makes it even funnier that in the episode he says Axl Rose is a sellout. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, so David Arquette in the interview was like, I- "I'm sorry, Axel, I'm the sellout, not you." <laughs> but uh, the last, the last thing that uh, David Arquette was saying in this interview was that he is a drummer. He actually plays the drums, but the band they got uh, to work you know, as like Axel's band was a functioning band and they already had a drummer. So he got stuck with a guitar, which he was <laughs> very unhappy about, you know, to try to be like this. Hey, big don't, don't diss the guitar. The guitar is... David Arquette. Uh, we have Denise Dows as Miss Teasley. She, with 24 appearances, Denise Dows is the most prominent black character in the series. Yes. As Miss Teasley. Um, why, this is not the last that we'll see of her. Yay. So. She will pop back up again. This is kind of the last of her more regular appearances. Like for future seasons, they, they seem to find a reason to find Miss Teasley and pull her into a story at some point. So we will see her again. But this is kind of the end of where she's uh, uh, such a major recurring player. We have Mark Kiley as Gil Myers. We, of course, have Dean Kane as Rick. Um, I, I also read a funny interview with Dean Cain. Uh, and so this is a quote from Dean Cain about playing Rick. He, he uh, gave us an interview on the Today Show. Uh, Here's the weird thing about the show, says Dean Cain. I was supposed to break up with Brenda when I found out that she was sort of a fraud and she was lying to me. But Shannon didn't want that to happen. She didn't want a guest star to come on and break up with her. And so instead, they turned me into a dork. You're an actor. You're just a gun for hire. You can't go, oh, I don't want to say that. You say what you're told to say. You sing when you're told to sing. Some of his lines were, oof. <laughs> you just get the cheesy lines, but you got to say them. <laughs> so you got to roll Kane with the punches. <laughs> that's kind of interesting that that according to Dean Kane, at least, originally Rick was supposed to dump Brenda, and they definitely went a different route. Yeah. Uh, also, we had uh, an appearance by Burt Reynolds as of himself. Course. Yes. We have... We have the first appearance of Michael Durrell as Dr. John Martin, uh, Donna's father. We have our first appearance of Bill Taylor, although at this point played by an uncredited extra who later will meet uh, in the actor John Riley takes it over. So those are those are the major guest stars for the season. All right. Uh, we had 30 episodes over the course of season three, <laughs> averaging 18.8 million viewers. Uh, which today would be like the biggest hit of all time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first of the four 90210 soundtracks were released during this season. We already did a special on that in between. Um, Kendra, I pulled out here what I think are are the major plot lines that we look at during season three. So they're not in any kind of chronological order or level of importance. They're just sort of as I was going through thinking of things. So why don't we just kind of look at each of these and talk a little bit about it. And if you think of some that I missed, toss them in there. Let's do it. Um, let's talk Gil, Brandon, Andrea at the blaze. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Because, yeah, because this is one that kind of, came on like hot and heavy at the beginning of the season and about halfway through it was just a complete non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to I guess I'm going to get out my major criticism of this season right at the top Do it. it's going to be hard to avoid it. I feel like this is a season of unfulfilled storylines. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I was disappointed, but mo- I feel like as I was naming all of these, I was like, yeah, that's not being a thing. That's not being a thing. Very few of these things actually, like, to me, concluded in a satisfying way. And I would say the Gil, Brandon, Andrea storyline is kind of at the top of that list because Gil comes in, basically demotes Andrea, you know, brings in Brandon to be the co-editor with her. There's a lot of talk of, like, sexism on Gil's part. Um, Andrea is pretty bold about that eventually. And then we never talk about it again. Nope. We yeah. never really talk about like the dynamics of Brandon suddenly having authority when he didn't have it before or Gil favoring Brandon that all got dropped. So wh- what do you think of this storyline? Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed with Andrea's character in general this season. Yes. I, I just, I feel like she is supposed to be this like, you know, like woman, power, independent, strong yeah. person, and everything they gave her to do was the opposite of that, and just like took the legs out from under her character. So it's true, literally, with that one time where she got hit by yeah, a car. Yeah, yeah, she a, literally you know, didn't have legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I did. I, I wasn't agree. a fan of Gil doing all the stuff that he did. So I guess in that way, I'm glad that it was dropped. Kind of that we like weren't dealing with that the whole time, yeah. but I don't think I certainly, Andre, Andre's character was any better for it. No, I, I certainly didn't want to talk about it more, but I felt like it needed some kind of button, mm. you know, even at the very end of the year for Gil to have more of a look. I realize that like I did not treat you well, but instead he's kind of just treated like a hero, yeah. you know, and that's that's really left. And the thing is, I don't think it has anything to do with Gabrielle Carteris's acting because every time she's given some meat to do with Andrea. Like when she really like puts him in his place for the sexism. I mean, she nails those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like long-term the problem with Andrea is that in the pilot in the first season, it's pretty clear that they're setting up kind of an end game scenario with Brandon and Andrea. Mm-hmm. And I think early on they were just like, no, that's not going to work. Let's not do that. <laughs> but I sort yeah. of feel like they could never quite make a clean cut and so we keep coming back to the Brandon Andrea stuff even though like I feel like we put that to bed I mean I was I was on board with the two of them for a while I was like no I would still accept it but by the end of this season it's very much brother sister oh yeah relationship yeah um so there's there's definitely no sparks there anymore okay well, if you want to talk sparks, let's look at Brenda Kelly Dillon. Let's look at the famous let's triangle. Let's do it. The famous I, triangle. I feel like the the triangle with these characters is probably the most iconic element of 90210. Like the the Kelly Brenda yeah. Dillon. I really feel like that's a thing that at the time, you know, maybe maybe less so now like I don't think teenagers would know, but I think people who are aware of 90210 when it was on at least know the Kelly Brenda Dillon thing. That's probably how, fair. How did you feel about it? Uh, I, f- I don't know. A lot of it just felt, I don't know. I think they did the demise of he and Brenda's relationship w- and the rise of he and Kelly's relationship well. But then we hit the, uh, we both like you, choose which one of us you want to yes. be with phase, which I thought was really dumb and contrived. And it felt like contrived in that Brenda was just like, we were done with Brenda. Yeah. Like, he didn't like Brenda anymore. No. He didn't want to be with Brenda anymore. And then suddenly Brenda was back in. Well, so and I, 
I mean, I'd go a step farther and say Brenda didn't like him or want to be with him either. Yeah. You know, and then we just got to this triangle and it became like a huge thing. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think all the roads leading up to uh, the breakup with Brenda and the like realizing the relationship with Kelly were done really well. But I also feel like as soon as Brenda was untethered from Dylan, they just kind of stopped writing for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think Brenda really had much of a storyline this season, uh, which is too bad. And I feel like with Dylan and Kelly, the fun, like nice relationship they had during the summer stuff while while Brenda was in Paris was so different. You saw such a different side of, of both of the actors, like a totally different side of Dylan. But then when they got together, it just was like clunky and dull instantly mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know you know i i was remembering this season because there, there are iconic things donna martin graduates that you know the triangle that we've got here i mean there's there's a bunch of stuff that that is pretty important series wise but i sort of felt like the season was a little on the weak side so and a lot of it is just because i feel like there was great setup and a lack of follow-through yeah i think yeah it the the writing in general felt like i don't know there was a lot of stuff that just if you really looked at it you're like oh this doesn't really make sense no no it doesn't it <laughs> yeah. doesn't all right well uh so let's let's stick with kelly's family then for a minute here and let's talk about the kelly david mel jackie scenario that mm-hmm. we have um i I mean, I'm all on board for the sibling relationship between Ellie and David. I love it. I love it so much. I agree. I thought that transition was really good, Mm -hmm. you know, and believable, the way their relationship changed. I really, I really think that was good. How do you feel about Mel and Jackie? Oh, that I, the whole thing just made me angry and it felt so out of the blue. I mean, we talked about it when it happened. It felt so out of the blue, like that suddenly he's a cheater and we were su- apparently supposed to know this about him. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know why they did it. I don't either. I don't you know, know the, why. I don't either. And the thing is, it really undercuts a lot of the major arc in season two about Jackie and Mel getting together and what that means for Kelly. Like Kelly suddenly having stability and, you know, having kind of a nice domestic life. Mel was just always treated like such a just a nice regular guy. It's like Jackie was Jackie in the past had been going for these like, you know, flashy, rich, like celebrity type guys. And for her to like settle down with a nice, like bald orthodontist was an interesting character development for Jackie as well. And so turn Mel, I mean, to be fair, we did find out in season two that he was still technically with David's mom when he and Jackie started going. So we had a little hint that at least Mel was okay with overlap, but we had the spa scene where somebody was talking about it. And then we had the next episode with Mel being like, I like women. And there was, (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was bad for season three. And I think it sort of like retroactively makes that part of season two kind of like, well, why'd we even bother? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I agree. So, I, but I love I love the Jackie, Jackie Kelly, David, and baby. Dynamic. I do, yeah, baby, 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 silver. Yep, I like that. Um, all right, let's talk about. I feel like this is the most glaring uh, one of these here storylines that were given huge amount of real estate and then dropped. But that's yes. the Steve Herbert uh, cheating 
scandal. So weird. What a weird uh, yeah, plot. It is weird. That, Steve gets his... That really goes nowhere, except that then we have Steve has to be in detention. Like, at but least they kept that up. That's true. I mean, we did see Steve in detention right up into the season finale. But as far as, like, how it affects the story after that point, I would say not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a weird, like, about face to go from them being like, we're going to find who slightly changed his own letter grade and we're going to put them in prison to, like, openly joking about it in front of everyone when Miss Teasley is, like, laughing hysterically at it. <laughs> By the finale it's just like what yeah it I, I didn't incredibly strange i i don't know do you think they were like going for one thing and then they decided to change their minds i don't know i do i do feel like they painted themselves a little bit in the corner in a corner by making it such a huge deal and then there's no way to pivot out of that it's like either steve is expelled or it just has to go back to the status quo and the only thing do that you makes think sense they're writing the it like lost like they're just kind of yeah. just like there's that no there's no overall arc they're just like making it up as they go well that's episode by thing. episode you know in season one anytime there was like a reference to like brandon's car was still damaged or they're studying for a test that they take in the next episode remember how we'd be like oh my gosh there's a connection yeah you know and then season two was like ultra serialized but now season three yeah it does sort of feel like they're not they're not aiming high enough like in when they're looking ahead like they're not looking far enough ahead because yeah i think these stories run out of steam and then it's just like i don't want to do that anymore yeah <laughs> because i think some characters like herbert you know herbert little uh cory tyler is herbert little um i think he was great in that role i think when it comes to head and and herbert like tears into steve and it's just like you're just a big, dumb loser and a horrible person. Uh, that is a strong moment for him. But then to never see that character again, to never yeah. have any kind of like closure. I feel like for Steve's arc, you need an episode where he like makes amends with Herbert or tries and Herbert rejects it. But that is just it's just gone. It's just totally gone. And there's I mean, technically, there's a punishment. He has to go to detention. But there's not really a punishment when it went from like, either prison or detention yeah. you know yeah. what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> let's yeah let's talk about the mckays so this is this is the season of jack mckay jack how did you like that story i was good i i was very surprised when yeah. he died so um that is a truly shocking they moment. they got me there i yeah, was yeah. i was very shocked yeah um but yeah, I I was glad we we got more time with him before yeah. his untimely departure. Well, we've seen his ghost a couple of times. Yeah, that's stuff. true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the the thawing of that relationship is pretty believable. I would have liked to see when Jack's trying to get the money from Dylan. I would have liked to see a little bit more from Dylan being at least somewhat skeptical of his motives, but kind of deciding it's worth the risk. I just don't really think that we got that. And, and I would have liked that. I also think that I, it doesn't make sense if you're saying Jack was like undercover. Or oh working no. For the feds or none whatever. of that made, none of that made sense. It really didn't. It really truly didn't. Like, I still don't know who the phone calls were to. I don't know why he would need to put up the collateral cash yeah. if, if he's working for the government. Like it just doesn't make sense. Nope. 
And I, I do think that's a pivot. I mean, I don't know, but I think that I think that they were setting Jack up to not be a good person, and then we're just like, we can't do that to Dylan, you know. Yeah. And I think they just went <laughs> in another direction. I really yep. do. Yep, I do. I do too. Um, I love the the whole Dylan Jim relationship. I yeah. feel is one of the ones that they have written. It's been like all over the place and i think it's all been very believable and well written. i agree like i love how in the finale they're just like chilling together lunch, eating lunch yeah, yeah. They're, they're friends now I agree and, with you. and i love it i feel like it has moved and it's uh they've the two of them have been through a lot i know and uh you know, yeah and i like it that was something that I really remembered about the series, like being fascinated by that relationship because it does change so much. And I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, because even though it's all over the map, nothing that's happened between them has seemed outlandish to me. Nope. You can, you can follow the steps. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Iris is lame. I was going to say, I like Iris. I Well, no, I like the actress. I like how she plays the character, but She's a terrible parent. Oh, well, yes, uh, definitely. I think you're supposed to kind of like like her, even though she's flighty. But I just feel like she really, really is not there for Dylan. And all the stuff that she does that's supposed to be like when she's like, you know what? You don't need a mom. I'm going to go back to Hawaii. Yeah, that's not a brave move. She's not being selfless. You know, she's being selfish. Selfish. Yeah. And I guess my problem is it's not always clear to me whether or not like the sh- within the show they're realizing that Iris is being selfish yeah. or do they think that writing her out that way is a heroic exit for her i don't know mm. yeah it's hard so. to tell how they feel but i guess i like the chaos that she throws True. in when she yeah. when she shows up so yeah. yeah yeah we don't that's not the last we see of her either Good. uh how about how about Brandon and Duke and the gambling with with Nat? And I kind of you know in retrospect, I think I kind of like this this arc for Brandon that yeah. we we see this like you know I mean I guess we've we've seen him make horrible decisions before like oh, when he sure. was drinking and yeah. drunk driving and stuff. Yeah. But um, I did think it was a good arc. I don't think it. I don't know. I don't think they. I don't think the stakes were high enough. I True. think that. Brandon was never really in trouble. Like he yeah. he could have gotten help from many people were he yeah. to ask. Um, so I don't know. I would have. I guess I would have upped the stakes. But um, I yeah. I think that I. I think ultimately I did like it too. And unlike a lot of the plots that we're talking about here, there was a really clear beginning, middle, end to yes. that. Yes. Yes. I think it would have been a little bit better if, if like some of the other things, we had a little bit more of a button on the end of it where several episodes later he's tempted by some gambling thing or he has a brush where it seems like he's going to backslide or something. Anytime it comes up, he's like, oh, no, I can't do that. I used to gamble. you know. So I would have liked to see a little bit of like the struggle in the aftermath because – it was an addiction, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. was addicted to it and then stopped abruptly and there were no negative consequences and he never had to deal with the reality of like coping with addiction. And I think that's, I would have, I, they left that on the table and I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. I mean, we got the, the comment, like the whole conversation between him and Jim at the basketball game about like, right. Well, I really yeah, was in true. trouble. So, I mean, they yeah. did keep mentioning it, but they did. They did. But yeah, you're right. But I think it comes back to what you're saying. There was never really any peril, and there doesn't really seem to be any like negative 
side effects yeah. in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris. Ah, uh, Paris. We'll always have Brenda, Paris. Brenda, Donna, Rick. <laughs> Rick. And Paris. Rick. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, the whole her pretending I, I hated to be it. French. Yeah. It, I, it was... I didn't like that arc at all. <laughs> I didn't either. I mean, I liked I liked her and Donna in Paris. I guess I liked Donna in Paris. Agreed. <laughs> is what Donna, I liked. <laughs> that was like the most character developed we've ever gotten for Donna. Yeah. Even with her, that whole like... Her, she's a model. For yeah, five she's seconds. a model. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I liked I liked Donna's stuff, but I I mean, the whole her pretending to be French and then she tells him eventually, and he's like, you know what? It's fine. Who let's, cares? Let's give it a go. Who cares? <laughs> uh, that was all. That was all a little dumb. Yeah, th- this is the one that probably aged the worst because I remember liking that. Like as a kid, I remember mm. like them being in Paris seemed very cool to me. And like the whole thing with her pretending to be French, like as a child, I thought like that was kind of like exciting. I bet when you're younger, though, it it is better. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that did not. That as, did not uh, you know, as grizzled adults, we uh, we found less humor in that. Grizzled's True. not the right word. What am no, I trying to say? No, but you said it and it's on record now and we can't, we can't go back. We're grizzled. Do you, think that, do you think that there was enough of a change in the Brenda-Donna relationship post-Paris? Um, I thought they were a lot closer. I mean, they yeah. did... Um, I felt like they did more together, especially once her and Kelly were on the outs. Yeah, kind I, of on I, the outs. It laid a good foundation for them to be... Yeah hanging out uh all right um uh <laughs> david steve and david's music career <laughs> i'm i you know what i'm glad david is pursuing a music career i think that's yeah. a that's a good move for him i think the steve stuff with it is just funny so yeah. i was fine with it it's like hijinks i i think i'd be more critical if i didn't know that it will be addressed again because we haven't talked about it in a long time at this point. The last yeah. several episodes, Naria mentioned. He's been too busy it. trying to graduate. He's been too busy. So taking six finals on the last day of school. <laughs> he doesn't have time. <sighs> precious to me. That precious song is so bad. I need a mic check. I need a mic check. Uh, Brandon and Nikki. I liked Brandon and Nikki. I liked Brandon and Nikki too. I like that whole arc. I really like Dana Barron. Yeah, I, I thought do too. That, you know, I mean, I was sad like Emily, to see her go. I was too. Emily Valentine, for example, came in and like she disrupted the flow, but I didn't really feel like she brought something super unique to the show. Mm. But I feel like Dana Barron as Nikki did. She yeah. just seemed like a completely different. Her vibe was just so different and it worked well, but there was never, she always had like kind of an otherness that I really appreciated from that. And I liked Brandon having a steady girlfriend, you know, because. Not crazy. I mean, I guess, I guess she had her ex-boyfriend, but uh, mostly not crazy. Yeah. And again, I mean, I really like, uh, I like, I like that it had a beginning, middle, end. I like that it started in an atypical way with Nikki and David in the Mm. summer season. Remember, like they really layered that in there. And I, yeah. I like that. So I think that's one of the more successful uh, arcs of the season. I agree. I can't um, believe at the senior breakfast, Nikki wasn't the one that, I know. that he's like, oh, I have a soft spot for one of them. It's yeah. the ice skater that you saw for one episode. Not Nikki, I thought, who I dated I for a yeah. long time. Yeah. 
seriously. I thought uh, it was funny that ultra racist Brooke made the cut Ugh. in the uh, <laughs> in the little like slideshows, Brandon yeah. making out with Brooke, and I was like, that's okay, no, thank you. <laughs> we don't need to see her again. No, uh, Brandon, Andrea, and Jordan. Hmm. Yeah, weird little kind of triangle, but not really. Yeah, because exactly. Brandon doesn't really like Andrea like that, so yeah, they were trying to. Try, they kept trying to remind us of something. And apparently Jordan is like aware that there's yeah. stuff between Brandon and Andrea. I don't know. But I really I, liked Jordan for Andrea. I did too. And, you know, I think maybe this is the most disjointed plot line that we've had. Mm. It's because pretty, yeah. we're introduced place. to Jordan in that pretty clunky episode uh, early on. And then we don't see him again for quite a while until he runs into Andrea at that like Yale mixer and I just really liked that you know I liked that we saw him in that early episode and then saw him in a completely different setting somewhere else and to give Andrea a more like stable uh romance I thought and to use a character that they'd already established I thought was a good move but like after the Kelly is in the hospital episode where it's clear that they are very much a couple it's treated like they went on a date or two yeah Mm mm-hmm Brandon or Andrea suggests sleeping with Brandon at prom and like Brandon assumes that she'll go to prom with him as if Jordan's like not a thing. And then Jordan comes in in the, in the uh, penultimate like commencement part one and is like basically saying that she's into you, Brandon. And then we never see him again. It's just, I don't know. It's like, I know. And I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted Jordan to be like in the group and I wanted more of him and Andrea. Yeah. So, yep. Um, we didn't get that. Oh, and then I guess uh, another thing that was completely dropped that we talked about a little last week was Dylan writing the article about Jack for the newspaper, which <laughs> is kind of part of the same storyline of Dylan becoming a better student, like with Gil and trying to go to Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Especially because... Well, I guess we don't know. He doesn't know what yeah. he's doing. But if it doesn't lead to him going... I mean, I think he's going to go to college. That's my guess. But okay. uh, hopefully it leads to, to something. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the writing the article thing and his relationship with Andrea, which I thought was cool. Yeah. You know, giving them a friendship. It gives Andrea a little something to do that's, that actually plays to the strength of the character. But after that time that he like read it to Kelly and it was all about her, we never talk about it again. I know. It's just I, wish, I wish we had some closure there to yeah. his memoir. And also with the Berkeley stuff, and again, like we don't know what we're going to see in season four. <laughs> well, one of us knows. <laughs> um, it certainly doesn't resolve in any re- satisfying way in this season because we get to the end, and Jack McKay's ghost is like, "Don't go to Berkeley," and Dylan's like, "Cool, I didn't want to." The end. <laughs> you know, so I've been released from that. Yeah. Any other any other major storylines that I'm leaving out? <sighs> I think we covered most of it. Which character do you think has the strongest, like, moment? Because we didn't even, we hardly mentioned Steve in this. So I think, I think a lot of the characters were, they didn't quite know what to do with. Um, who do you think had the strongest showing in this season? Like, as a character? I really like, I don't know. Donna, I feel like, had a lot to do. And I feel like her character changed a lot this I, season. I agree. That's exactly what I have. So yeah. that's who I would say. Donna's really grown on me. She wasn't one of my favorites before, but she's definitely grown on me. Well, 
that's that was, I think, a good use of the Paris arc to get Donna sort of out of Kelly's shadow and having her have a little bit more agency. And she had the whole thing with the modeling thing and, you know, really just kind of like took control of her life in a way she hadn't before. Because you remember season one, Donna is just like in the back of Kelly's car, not saying a word. Oh, I guess know? another major plot point is uh, Donna's virginity and True. all that yes. stuff. Yes. And, yeah. you know, condoms for students and. Right. No premarital sex and exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Don, Donna confronting her mom um, quite a bit in this, in, which is which was a big change, you know, for her. Yeah, I mean, all the all the stuff with um, with her and David. Donna, I feel like just uh, is the character who had the most growth this yeah. season. I think I think you're absolutely right. I agree. I think the season was particularly bad uh, for Shannon Doherty once we had yeah. the Dylan breakup. I don't yeah, think she had there was just anything. really was nothing for her to do after that. And I kind of feel like with Kelly, it was a lot of like throwing spaghetti at the ceiling and seeing which one stuck, you mm-hmm. know, because it was like, you know, we, we had we had the brush with it with, um, you know, her unhealthy eating for a while there. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Which which nothing came. Nothing of that came of that. Nothing. We had this stuff with her dealing with like her dad and then ultimately seeing her dad, but it wasn't really part of it. We had the thing with her losing like the sort of domestic home life, losing her house and all that. But none of it, I really feel like was mined enough to get much in the way of character development for Kelly. And I know Jenny Garth has it. Like I know that she could have acted that. If she oh yeah, it. for sure. So, cause every time she was, I mean, she really had, she really brought it. So I think acting wise, uh, Jenny Garth um, maybe is the winner for this season for me, but Luke Perry is right up there. I mean, I'll, when, oh, when the yeah. car, his reaction when Jack's car explodes, it, it's I, so think it's good. Just, I think it's amazing acting. I really do. It's um, great. But yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I think it'd be kind of hard pressed to say that there was much in the way of growth for Brandon. I think they kind of, I think maybe that was part of the stuff with the blaze early on. They wanted Brandon to kind of take a step up into leadership but what's been interesting for me on this rewatch is that with each season, Brandon is still not yet the way that I think of Brandon. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I'm starting I'm starting to worry that maybe I'm just wrong, you know? <laughs> that he that's just not, you know, like as I'm like viewing this as an adult and maybe maybe Brandon is not as like strong and noble as I feel like he is. But it's also possible that, like, the college years is what really, like, brings him into his own. But I don't think it was a great season for Brandon, I guess. Long yeah, story just it's a lot of the same. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the same. Yeah, it's like he was mostly steady, but we didn't really, like, explore that at all. Yeah. I think we probably have the same least favorite episode of the season. Oh, yeah. Do you know when it is, Kendra? The Christmas episode? Oh, oh my gosh. Actually, no. But that's, oh, oh no. no. What were you going to say? Wild Horses. We're doing oh, yeah. Like, at the, at the, the Dylan's Romance novel episode. But you're <laughs> right. That Oh, that Christmas episode was terrible. <laughs> I oh, think that's... I'd probably have to pick the Christmas episode over that one. But yeah, the Wild Horses one was just like, that was so off the wall. Yeah. Weird. Well, so. it's hard. I mean, it's an apples and oranges situation because they are both like aggressively stupid. Yeah. But they're stupid <laughs> in such different ways that it's really hard to compare the two. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what a twist. Hard Good to thinking, choose. Kendra. Yeah. How could you forget? Um, How could I, you forget? Yeah. I, I guess I just thought about those horses and that was all I got. Um, 
I think the roughest storyline this year was uh, Sue Scanlon. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about the Sue yeah. Scanlon stuff. It was a packed season. It really was. Like, a lot going A lot on, happened. But... That's true. I was glad... I was glad to kind of address the stuff with Scott and like bringing that back as part of like David's character, I thought was really helpful. It's also a good moment for Donna because Donna's ultimately the one who sort of figures it out and is there for her and, and pushes it. But I mean, that was a tough episode to watch. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, was, uh, it was, uh, and some yeah, of it they, was they really layered that arc. Yeah. And some of it was handled well and some of it wasn't. Okay. I don't know. What, like the whole the whole stuff know? with with Gil was confusing. Yes. So Right, exactly. I, I forgot about that too. Yeah, because Gil um was the one that she accused initially. We find out that it's actually her uncle. Yeah. Um but it I kind of felt like they were going to address D- Gil's like inappropriate relationship with students. Which is inappropriate. It is. But after that episode, we go several episodes without seeing Gil again. And it's really never addressed. And he's also never as, like, close to the students as he was before then. So Well, to Andrea, he is. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He's always hanging out out with Andrea. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. So some of it was weird. Important subjects, like, because these things happen. But, yeah. If you had to arrange the seasons from best to worst. Oh, that's tough. Well, I I feel pretty strong that season two of the three we've watched so far, season two has been the best. I think I would probably agree with that. But I, I also think that it's kind of neck and neck of, as far as season three and season one, which comes next. Because yeah. not unlike Christmas and Wild Horses, they are flawed but in fundamentally different ways yeah the first season i feel like is so like let's solve a problem a week gang um that it gets a little it's a little relentless Mm -hmm. but season three is to me has about 10 too many plots and because of that none of them really gets the space that they could so it's like they had a lot of good ideas and instead of like whittling them down or tucking things away for a future season they just gave them all to us whether we had time to watch it or not so yeah (laughs) and we did yeah i don't know i don't know yeah um i'd probably put i'd probably go two three one but they're not it's not like there's a big gap between them in my thinking like none of them has been like oh this season was awful um, right, agreed. So I just think I think for me, it's like season one went up a notch uh, after after this rewatch and season three maybe went down. So it, it's they kind of like leveled out a little bit. I think if I was going to go back, I would want to watch rewatch season one for all the like Brenda and Dylan stuff yeah. over watching season three and, you know, that triangle. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Just, just right. guessing um, what my future self would would want. Now, Kendra, as as you may or may not remember, you thought that we might be seeing a little Brandon Kelly this season. Oh yeah, uh, you were you were wondering about that. Um, so very wrong did, on that account. Yes, yes. Um, was there anything that that came up in this season that was like what? What were the biggest surprises for you as someone who's never seen the show? hard to it's hard to think what i, I thought know. Yeah. because this this season was so long 
I don't know. Did you I, did you expect Dylan Kelly at all? Because I don't think we got much of that in in season two. No, I guess I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, because I think we left. Don't we leave season two with him and Brenda are pretty strong at the end of season two, right? And see, season two ends with Jake in Melrose Place. Oh right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But I don't know. I can't remember when I said beginning of the end for for Brenda and Dylan. Yeah, actually, you did say that. You okay. did say that. Okay, well, then I guess that three. right. You were right. Yeah, I guess, because... I guess that right. The big meltdown at Mel and Jackie's wedding and everything. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, you did think that. I guess um, maybe Mel and Jackie's storyline is the biggest surprise for me. I never true. would have guessed yeah. they would have done that. Yeah, okay. So that, that's a, that was a big surprise. I... Until we just talked about this, I did kind of forget that the Melrose Place spinoff did begin at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, what? How did you feel about Melrose Place? I liked were it. You inter- were you interested in the characters outside of like Kelly Jake? Yeah. Not okay. as much as not as much as nine hundred two one zero, but yeah, I would have kept watching. I again, like going back to it, I do like the Kelly Jake relationship is just so awkward because she's played very young and he's played old. And so it's just hard to like reconcile that. I think acting wise, they have great chemistry together and they worked really well together, but the storyline was gross. Yeah, it was. And Kelly Kelly just unravels so much on Melrose place. Like I just think of that. I think the worst line I feel like in the 90210 franchise is Kelly being like, don't you think I'm pretty? Yeah. You know, like at the pool at Melrose place. That's uh, that's pretty rough bad that's pretty rough any projections about season four um tell me this what where do you think because there's this a little bit of a question about brenda mm-hmm. uh andrea and dylan as far as like how everything's going to shake out with college because dylan has said he's going to bum around with yeah. kelly and will andrea i think kind of landed on yale and brenda very solidly landed on minnesota what do you think i think I think most of them are going to end up at University of California. Okay. Um, I really don't know what they'll do with Andrea. Okay. I think maybe we're starting to inch Brenda out of the show. I honestly mm. don't know how long she stays. I know it's not don't forever. Look. You gotta, you I'm gotta not looking. Not to look it up. I'm okay. not going to look it up, but I, I, this would be a good out. So. Yeah, just be like, where's Brenda? She's back yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. So. Gosh, we miss her. <laughs> so, but I hope, I hope Andrea doesn't like go to Yale and we never see her again. That would make me sad. Um, I but I think that, uh, Dylan and Kelly are going to end up at University of California and Steve relation, and Brandon. Relation, relationship wise, where do you see Dylan I think, and Kelly going? I think they're going to stick it out for a while. We're going to stick it out. Okay. Any other couplings that you want to predict? I mean, we kind of left Donna and David on this like cliffhanger of like they were supposed to graduate and then have sex. So right. yeah. I, I don't know. I like them together. So but I don't I I could see them like getting to college and splitting okay. up. So is is there anything storyline wise or, or some sort of like character movement? Is there anything that you're hoping to see in season four? Um, settling, settling into college and all that. Is there anything that you kind of like to see? With something that's maybe been set up or something totally new. I mean, if Andrea is still there, I would hope for more from her character than we got okay. in this last season. <laughs> and I mean, I would like to kind of see them like going towards career things like David, yeah. maybe going deeper into music and maybe Steve finding like something and not mm-hmm. just being like, you know, the dumb guy who's like floating yeah. by. 
Um, I would like to see some some direction. I just okay. want you know he has so much potential. He just needs he to he just needs to focus. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's a, that's the teacher in you coming yeah. out. Yeah, trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess that I guess that's going to do it then. I think yeah. that's our season three wrap. I think so. I'm excited about season four. I'm so excited to get to college. I'm excited with each thing we've started, but I'm I'm really I'm pumped about the college years. Me too. So let's make it happen. Okay. Make it happen, Cap'n. Kendra, outside of the Radio Meanwhile Network, I host the All the Book Show, the official podcast and radio show of the David A. Howe Public Library. Uh, we do all sorts of things. Lots lots of interviews, some cool interviews coming up. So you can find that at soundcloud.com slash allthebooks or anywhere you get your podcasts. For Radio Meanwhile, I also host a weekly comic book show called Comic Book Coffee Break, which you can find uh, on YouTube or just uh, radiomeanwhile.com is all the links there. What about you, Kendra? I'm Miss Musicbox 91 on the social medias, and I have a website, MissMusicbox.com, for all your craft and needs. And I am also the co-host of 90s Music Got Me Like, a podcast where my husband, Eric, and I look at a different 90s song every week. We just this week covered Slide by the Goo Goo Dolls. And our next song will be Sex and Candy. Oh. Um, I can't remember who sings it. <laughs> okay. But the song Sex and Candy. <laughs> Tune which, in to 90s music got me like to which, find out who sings yep, it. Yep. It won the poll. We often do a poll on Twitter. Yeah. So if you want to contribute to that, you can head on over there. Nice. Well, you can join us next week for a special Halloween-themed episode where we're going to be joined by Hillary Gunning of the Previously on X-Men podcast. Hillary is an expert in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, uh, but she's not seen the movie. So she's going to join us for commentary on the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which features 90210 alums David Arquette, Hillary Swank, and of course, the one and only Luke Perry. I thought she had seen it. She was telling us how bad it is. I think she's, it's like a, it's been on TV kind of thing. I don't uh, think she's gotcha. ever like sit down, start to finish and like really watched it. Well, I'm excited. And uh, I think Eric is going to watch that one with me. So nice. I'll bring okay. some of his commentary to it as Good. well. That'd be helpful. <laughs> All right, and then after that, as we mentioned, on to season four with special guest Corbin Andrews, the former host of Nostalgia Me This. Woohoo! 9021, here we go. 